What have been the biggest fireworks of the Bill Guerin era so far? We count them down on today's episode of Locked on Wild. Your Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any content throughout the week. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we count down some of the biggest fireworks in the Bill Guerin era, some of his biggest moves and decisions. I think we all know where that one's going. My name is Seth Topal, your daily Minnesota Wild insider. Happy 4th of July to everybody tuning in today, maybe catching this later on your way back from the cabin or uh, catching it on your commute uh, back to work in the morning. We uh, we appreciate everybody that tunes in and hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. And with it being Independence Day, had to throw in a little bit of an Independence Day theme. So we are talking about some of the big moves that Bill Guerin has made so far on his tenure, similar to big fireworks. Uh, and so we're going to get to the big one at the end of the show today, the big two, I should say. But uh, there have been quite a few notable moves that have been made uh, by Garen throughout his tenure. And uh, let's start with a couple of goalie moves that have paid huge dividends for this Minnesota Wild team. We'll start with the Capo-Kakinen trade that ended up bringing Jake Middleton back to the Wild. And at the time, this was was kind of an interesting move uh, by Bill Garen. You you had Capo-Kakinen, who I think a lot of Wild fans were hoping would be Maybe not the guy, but a young goalie that this team could work into the mix um, over the uh, the next several seasons. I mean, you go back to 2020-2021, had a fantastic season at 16-8. and eight. He was Rookie of the Month uh, during that stretch because Cam Talbot got hurt. And so you're hoping that he is going to be able to take that and to blossom from that. Uh, and be a serviceable goalie uh, throughout the uh, the rest of his career, but kind of got off to a uh, little bit not not really a bad start, but just wasn't being utilized in that 2020 2021 uh, 2021 2022 season. And so it came to the trade deadline. The team was playing really well. Uh, they were leaning on Cam Talbot a lot, and so the decision was made to move. Kakinen to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Jake Middleton. And you look at what Kakinen has done since. He was 2-6-1 with the Sharks after the trade. And this past season in 37 games started, he was 9-20-7. His goals against average ballooned up to uh, 385, save percentage down to 883. And with the fact that Jake Middleton has played some really, really good defense for this team over the uh, the last couple of seasons and gives you an element of size and some uh, some toughness to his game as well that this decor really needs, 
that trade appears to have worked out pretty well for Bill Guerin and company. Um, and it's just one of those things. I, I remember back to that trade deadline. It wasn't a move that I think was even mentioned once uh, by anybody that follows the team. And so Garen able to pull that one, kind of pull that rabbit out of his hat. Now, it's not all Kakinen's fault. Like those those numbers aren't all on him. In fact, um, if you look at his goal saved above average, he was uh, minus 25 this past season. That Sharks team in front of him is really not good. And so some of it has to do with maybe him not playing uh, particularly well, but I think those numbers get super inflated uh, by having a poor team in front. And so you take Kakinen out of the mix, you add Middleton, he forms a pairing with Jared Spurgeon that has in the regular season been really, really good. And that one looks like a win. Now, the other goalie trade that Garen made during his tenure was one that that also started, kind of came out from nowhere, is the Cam Talbot trade uh, for one Philip Gustafson. If we remember back to the NHL draft last year, Cam Talbot's agent and uh, the Cam Talbot camp were a little frustrated with the uh, situation that they found themselves in, which was a timeshare with Marc-Andre Fleury. And Talbot's camp didn't want to be the lesser paid of the two goalies. And so they tried to negotiate with Bill Guerin a little bit, see if there could be something that could be done. And Bill Guerin uttered that famous line, I don't have to do bleep. <laughs> he, if, if he wants to play, he's going to be on this team. There's really nothing that I have to do about it. And so at that point, you're kind of like, oh, where is this going? And sure enough, uh, it ended up that Talbot was traded to the Ottawa Senators for one Philip Gustafson. Now, if you look at Talbot's numbers from this past season, they aren't... Um, they, the win-loss record is not great, 17-14-2. Uh, and two. Uh, He did have a 2.93 goals against average and an 8.98 save percentage. But again, that Senators team, which was expected to be playoff caliber, just really, really underperformed. And now Talbot has signed a one-year deal with the LA Kings uh, to try to find some more success there. So it ended up being a one-and-done for Talbot in Ottawa. But Philip Gustafson, on the other hand, you look at what he did, and Gustafson was an unknown coming into uh, his time in Minnesota. He had only had um, just a handful of starts. He had 27 starts with Ottawa before he got here, and the numbers were so-so. But in 37 starts this past season, 22-9-7, and seven, a 931 save percentage, a 2.10 goals against average. And if you look at those even further, uh, his goals saved above average, 31 goals saved above average, and his adjusted goals against average was 2.13. So what those tell you is that he is going well above and beyond. And we saw it this year. Uh, There were a lot of instances in which Gustafson saved games for this team because they just weren't able to produce the same offensively that they were the previous year. So Gustafson played 
well above what we thought even he was capable of. And it wasn't a fluke either. That adjusted goals against average shows that his numbers are pretty, pretty much in line. There wasn't a lot of um, fluky things that happened or otherworldly goals that were allowed. It just was pretty much what you see is what you get. And so that's another trade that I think worked out pretty darn well uh, for Bill Guerin and company. And it just goes to show you, it's interesting how things can change. And even now with Jesper Volstead in Iowa, he is widely expected to be the guy as negotiations continue with Philip Gustafson and his camp. The Wild would love to have both and just allow for a seamless, easy transition for Volstead to the NHL level. But we'll see how these negotiations go. But I would say in those two instances, both trades that Bill Guerin won pretty handily um, and moves that kind of came out of nowhere, that the Talbot one was especially, that that would be a perfect firework because um, just came out of nowhere, it seemed like, after a, a little bit of a heated discussion with his agent. So a couple of good fireworks to start. We've, of course, got the huge uh, blockbuster Kevin Fiala trade to discuss as well. Oh, and the Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter buyouts as well, as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild, once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day for the everydayers who tune in on an everyday basis. We will dive back into some bargain bins tomorrow. Just wanted to go with a little bit of a 4th of July theme for today. So be on the lookout for that uh, for tomorrow if you are on the way back from the cabin or uh, just on the way to uh, your normal Wednesday commute. We'll have that for you uh, in your podcast feeds coming up tomorrow morning. So blockbusters, fireworks, 4th of July special here on Locked on Wild. And uh, let's talk about the big, big trade uh, of Kevin Fiala, because that's got to qualify as a firework. And we knew the situation leading into it is that Fiala's team, Fiala's camp wanted X. The Wilds were only able to afford Y, and there just was no way to make it work. Uh, because as Travis points out quite a bit, it is worth mentioning, you would not have been able to afford Kevin Fiala because if you didn't buy up Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, their contracts would still be on, they would still be on the team. And so even if you buy them out, that money is still on the books, regardless of if you do or you don't, there still isn't money to make 
the type of deal for Fiala that he got with the Los Angeles Kings. And so at that point, it becomes, let's try to maximize the return that we can get for him uh, in exchange. And there were radio hits throughout that offseason. Bill Guerin had the quote that I think has been uh, widely discussed in that we're not going to, um, we're not going to overpay for a guy who had three good months. Oversimplification in my book, but I think the point, um, I think the point there still stands is Kevin Fiala was a great player, and to just say that he had three good months is unfair to Fiala. Now, postseason-wise, if you want to go down that road, by all means, because his postseason numbers with the Wild, pretty, pretty not good. So. At the time that we finally got to the end of the line, it was time to try to find a good return for Kevin Fiala. And the Kings ended up giving Brock Faber and the their first round pick, which was 19th overall. And that ended up allowing the Minnesota Wild to draft Liam Ugrin, who by and large from reports overseas seems like a pretty solid prospect that is going to be a pretty good player and also is going to be part of a wave of Minnesota wild prospects that head overseas back here to America next after this season is done. So there are chance, there's a chance we're going to see Liam Ogren pretty soon and be able to see what he has done. Now we got the benefit of seeing Brock Faber up close and personal here over the final few games of the season and the postseason, and by and large looked really impressive. Looked like a player that knows what it takes to play at a high level at the NHL level and looked like a guy who's going to be capable of slotting into the lineup this, uh, this upcoming season. So at minimum, you've already gotten one NHL caliber defenseman, uh, in return for Fiala services. Now, the offense was bad this year. That's not a that's not a surprise. Kevin Fiala would absolutely have helped there, but at the end of the day, the money did not exist to be able to um, to be able to re-sign Fiala because, as many pointed out, well, if you just trade Dumba, that helps you for one season. What are you doing this year to free up that that money? And so. There just are are so many things that would have had to have been figured out to fit that contract in. And Matt Boldy ended up, he ended up having a really good season. I know a lot of it came in one month of his 30 goals. I think 12 of those came in the month of March, but Matt Boldy has shown some promise as a, uh, a young player that, uh, that filled that, um, money that could have been allocated as opposed to Fiala. So I think, I think the wild did okay in that regard. And obviously Faber being able to step in more than likely going to be on that second pairing with Jonas Brodeen, which as we've talked about this off season, if Faber has some struggles this year, if it takes him a little while to get accustomed to full-time life as an NHL defenseman, you got a pretty good line partner uh, in Jonas Brodeen 
to be able to help offset some of that. And it's not like Brodeen hasn't been doing that his whole career as it is, because it's no surprise, it's no secret that Matt Dumble wasn't exactly, he wasn't exactly a top tier defenseman from a uh, defensive perspective. So Jonas Brodeen, I think, will will welcome that opportunity. And so you've got half the equation already at the NHL level. Now the question just becomes, what does Ukren do uh, to be able to help give us a good look at uh, how that trade turned out? And Fiala had a great season with the Kings. He also is playing with some incredibly talented players. So that is uh, that is part of the equation as well. One other one that I wanted to discuss in this middle segment before we talk Parisi and Suter is the Jordan Greenway trade, because that I think has to be considered another firework as well. You have Jordan Greenway, who has just all the physical tools you could want in an NHL player, but he just can't get it to work. Just can't get it to translate on the ice. And so for the Wild to pick up a second round pick for his services was uh, pretty darn good. And actually ended up giving the Wild the opportunity to draft Riley Height. So I'd say that one worked out pretty good. The Wild got that money off the books. They don't have to worry about continually trying to solve the Jordan Greenway equation. Now you can just let it be Buffalo's problem. So that another one I think that worked out really well for this Wild team. And uh, another one of the fireworks that... um, that was the one where you try to light it and the fuse goes out and you're not sure if it's going to go. And so you try it one more time and it just immediately launches. So good work by, uh, by Bill Guerin there as well. Now the biggest fireworks of all Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. And so to finish today's episode of lockdown wild, we'll dive in to the situation, the current status of where the wild are at in their quest to be rid of the Parisi Suter contracts. That's on the way after this. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Every dayers can tune in tomorrow. We'll have uh, another look at potential free agents the Wild could look at. That'll include NHLers and AHLers as well. So uh, we'll take a peek at where things stand on both accounts for tomorrow's episode. So. The entire reason that the Wild are at where they're at, Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. Now, there are a lot of different factors at play for how this situation has got to the point that it has. Let's wind back to when those deals were signed, when Parisi and Suter signed with the Wild. The current cap recapture language did not exist. And so big thank you, big tip of the cap to the NHL for adding those stipulations in after the contracts had been signed so that if you have a player that retires during the length of that contract, you pay through the nose for those cases. And look at where Parisi and Suter are at right now. Zach Parisi is nearing the end of his NHL career. 
He's played with the Islanders the last couple of seasons and actually has been healthy. He's played in all 82 games uh, in both instances and has turned into a nice 30-point 30 point guy, 15 goals and 21 goals. So Parisi has found um, kind of found life as a third-line guy, second-line guy, not the guy. But the Wild are risking, you as a franchise are risking, if players retire before their deals are done, that penalty is far worse than what the Wild are currently dealing with by choosing to buy the the two out. And a lot of stuff behind the scenes. We know about how they both ran the show here in Minnesota, dictated where practice happened. Um, there are the reports that Suter looked at his statistics to determine if he was happy with you know, his ice time, things along that line, wanted to be, you know, a, a top power play guy um, and demanded a lot of that. So Bill Guerin coming in and electing to buy them both out has led to a massive improvement in locker room culture. If you buy stock in that sort of thing, it also allowed the wild for two seasons to get some cap relief. It was almost $10 million the year, um, the season after they were bought out, then it was 2 million. And now you're these next couple of seasons are really going to feel the effects. But then after that, it's like 1.6 million combined. And that is, as we've seen this off season, that's a fourth line player in the NHL. So, Bill Guerin elected to take the we know what the penalty is as opposed to the hey we've got all these plans and um, we are going to do all of this and then gets a phone call from Ryan Suter who says hey I'm going to retire so yes it's going to be a pain either way but the wild elected to take the pain that they knew as opposed to the pain that they didn't. And uh, there were rumors down in Dallas, although the uh, the owner of the uh, Dallas Stars pretty roundly shot them down. There was a while in which uh, plenty of members of the Stars were looking into the possibility of buying Ryan Suter out. And so it, it's not as though Suter's lack of speed has gotten any better. Now, he was paired with Miro Heiskanen in Dallas, which is essentially the same thing as putting Jonas Brodeen with Matt Dumba. So Heiskanen is able to cover up a lot of those deficiencies on defense that Suter brings to the table. And so Bill Guerin has been adamant that this is the direction um, that this team needed to take. and that's if if that's the route that he wanted to go so be it but it is it is interesting that then with not being able to have that almost 13 million dollars whatever the number is in salary cap space that this team has still managed to be um, enough 
to be playoff caliber. You look at that money, if this team can continue to hold that pace, you look at what happens has happened in the postseason. And $14 million, that can buy quite a bit of help uh, for this team to not only win a postseason series, but to get way further than that, to potentially win a Stanley Cup. And so the method of the madness that needs to happen these next few years is to, this This is a common theme on this show, it's going to continue to be, you have to know what you have in order to know what you need. And so perfect opportunity with these lean years to utilize prospects, to allow playing time for prospects in regular situations to see what you have. You got to know if you have something in Marco Rossi to be able to put him in a top line situation. You're not going to know if he's capable of playing in that role unless you put him there. He's not a fourth line guy. Putting him on the fourth line and playing him nine minutes a night is not going to do him any favors. Same with Kalen Addison. See if he's able to adjust to life as an NHL defenseman and to learn a little bit more about how to defend because he's got good skills offensively. You have to let him grow into that. And so that is that is the goal over these next two seasons with these cap hits in place so that we know once they go down, hey, you've got $8 million to spend on a top six guy. You've got $8 million to spend on some help on defense. You have all that money allocated to be able to throw it at whatever problems you have so that you can make a legitimate run at the Stanley Cup uh, in a couple of seasons. So they were calculated fireworks, and you know it's it's one thing to mention them and to use them kind of as a crutch right now. If this same kind of thing happens, if you have this team, oh, now we've got $14 million to spend, and they end up being a one-and-done in the postseason, there's nothing to hide behind. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see how these next two seasons play out, who we get a chance to see and evaluate uh, so that we know once the buyouts are truly buyouts and the cap hits are minimal, you know exactly what you need to go uh, get that Stanley Cup. So we'll see. Then again, maybe with Pat Maroon, maybe this is the year that they'll get it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. But that will do it for today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Uh, again, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you are a first-time listener of Lockdown Wild, we're glad to have you along and hope that you stick with us through the rest of the off-season as well. If you're an everydayer who tunes in each and every day of the week, we're glad to have you back. Enjoy your 4th of July, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again on tomorrow's show. Either way, make sure that you follow Locked on Wilds wherever you listen to your podcasts, also on YouTube, so you don't miss out on any new content throughout the week. We've got new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.